Catch the fire. Fire. Catch the fire. Welcome to Catch the Fire. I'm Lisa Flood along with Susie McKenzie, and it is great to be with you in the studio, Susie. It is always great to be here, Lisa, like 100% of the time. (laughs) Okay, Susie, we love starting out with how the Holy Spirit showed up in our lives this week, and I really want to start this off because um, I had a powerful experience because a a dear friend had a family member who passed away very unexpectedly and was not sick. And my friend called me as soon as she found out and said, the, the family lived in another town and said, I need a priest. And so after saying a quick prayer, Lord, help me figure out who I need to get to this family because I wasn't familiar with this small town. So the Holy Spirit moved me and I, I pulled up, um, you know, looked, started looking for Catholic churches in, in the small town where the family lived and found a Catholic church, called the emergency number, called this priest really late at night. And within minutes, this beautiful priest was on his way to the family and was able to to pray over the deceased family member. And Susie, that meant so much to the family. But what I'm blown away by is just the gift of a holy priest who is living that service. I could wake him up late at night. He doesn't know me. And he said, I'm on my way. So the gift of a holy priest. That really, really touched my heart this week. Lisa, he is living out his commitment and his vows. Um, Amen. I mean, that's where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? Yes. And it brought so much comfort to the family. And uh, that's just what Jesus does, right? It is exactly what Jesus does. And he used you, of course, Lisa. Oh, that's an awesome story. I Oh, man. Well, mine is not anywhere near as profound as that. Well, tell me. I know it's always good. It's all connected. I mean, you know, we know he brings those puzzle pieces together. St. Michael prayer. This came to me in Advent of all things, and I started praying more of the St. Michael prayer. And I got to tell you, it has become this like wellspring within me of everyone that asked me to pray for them. I'm like, okay, I'm going to pray the St. Michael prayer for you because I have seen some fruit in the last like two and a half months. And I've prayed the St. Michael prayer a lot in my life. But what I started to realize, and this is where I think the Holy Spirit had had, had a hand in this, is that we pray the St. Michael prayer because we are sometimes helpless. Yes. And we cannot fight our own battles. We don't even know how to fight our own battle. Sometimes we didn't, didn't ask for that battle, you know? And so I went to St. Michael, I sort of kind of in desperation. It wasn't an urgent need, like something life or death. It was just a situation that I was like, ah, I just want this to be different. And so I started praying a St. Michael prayer. So I have been offering the St. Michael prayer to everybody that asked me to pray for them. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to pray the St. Michael prayer for you every day. He's a big gun. Bring him in. He's bringing the big guns, the shields, the swords. And um, I just have to say, it's been, it truly has been a spread the fire experience. Susie, I love it. And I'm laughing at myself because as a mom of sons, believe me, we call in uh, the sword and the shield and all of that. The boys, you know, they, they've been hearing about St. Michael for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Powerful warrior. Okay, Susie, well, I, you know, not really connected to what I shared in the beginning, but it made me think 
in a lot of ways about the gift of the, of the sacrament, when we receive the sacrament of anointing of the sick. And Susie, I heard a homily recently. I was, we were out of town, and this priest was talking about um, the gift of the sacrament of anointing of the sick, and he said something I'd never heard before and never considered. He said, if somebody out there is battling depression or any kind of like extreme anxiety or mental health issue, it is appropriate to be anointed. And I never, I always think of it as, okay, if there's surgery or like, you know, you, th- you think of like, um, okay, I- I'm going to get my knee operated on or my hip operated on, I'm going to get anointed. But he said, if you're just like, you're just stuck in that depression, you don't know how to move forward, get anointed. Well, you know, uh, Lisa, the, the men that lowered the man down on the mat, right? Through the ceiling, the man had, was was lame, was crippled, right? The right. the words that were used in the scriptures, and um, they were expecting a strictly physical healing, right? But what I love about what that priest said is that we're we're talking about healing in any manifestation, like anywhere it is needed. <sighs> yes, and I'll, I'm going to be really honest. In a in a very powerful moment in my life, I was going through a health issue. And um, was going to have to go through a medical test and was kind of struggling with it. And I, I called a, pri- a priest who's a friend and he anointed me. And as he was anointing me, the Holy Spirit brought to mind a situation. And I realized that I was, I needed to forgive. And at the end, I'm like, oh my gosh, Father, I, I, I think I know something that's connected to this little health issue here. I like, I'm holding something that I need to let go of. And so I, I really took it to prayer and, you know, had the test. Everything was fine. Thank you, Jesus. But I knew that anointing is what God used to bring it to my heart and to my mind that I was called to forgive in a situation that I was kind of blind to. Okay, Lisa, like that is... <laughs> yeah, that's the point, isn't it? That's it. I mean, you just like that story we could end there because it it brought about the peace you needed for the medical test. It also dredged up something that might have been, you know, like a spiritual block for you. And, um, and you were able to be reconciled. And isn't that where Jesus wants us? And the fact that through the sacrament of holy orders that our priests have, we know that this anointing is, um, well, it's eternal. It, it totally Because is. their priesthood is eternal. Yes. And I'll tell you one time I encouraged someone to have um, their child anointed with going before a procedure and they kind of got scared and said, well, oh, no, I don't want, I don't want my child to think they're going to die. So it, it just, I had to explain that, no, it's not, it's not just for imminent death or because you think you're going to die. But Susie, there's a lot of misconception out there. People believe wrongly that it is only when you're in danger of death. And that's you not know, right. You know, we have a little, little handbook here. And one of the things says that in sickness, man experiences his helplessness. And that's what happens is that we know that we have frail bodies. We know that we have frail minds and, and um, frail emotions and all of those things. And so the anointing is a gift, actually, Lisa. It's a gift from God, I think, to give you that peace and to strengthen you and put God's power inside of you you know, and we don't know how it happens, just like so much in our faith is a mystery, but we trust that it happens. It, it, yes, it does. And, you know, I've been to parishes before where they've done a parish-wide anointing. And, you know, it's really beautiful to see families together with, 
you know, to pray for their, for their family members who are going through a particular health struggle and, and just to see the body of Christ coming together, you know, to pray is really beautiful. I know. Well, Lisa, we, of course, as usual, we could talk all day long about these things, about the gifts of the church and the sacraments, but we're going to take a short break and we're coming back with our guest, Joseph Madeira. Stay with us here on Catch the Fire. I went to church and just sat there and listened. I really didn't absorb anything. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control and church was actually a, a burden to me. I had this sin that I carried in my heart for a long time. And I told myself for many, many years that the Lord wouldn't forgive me for this. When, when Father in the confessional says, your sins are forgiven, there truly is a, a feeling of, of weight lifted off. I don't care if it's two or three little sins that you're carrying, there's a feeling of I can breathe deeply again. I feel pure inside. And I'm, and I'm ready to come to Mass. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home. If you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. When you come home to the, to the church, you're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome back to Catch the Fire. I'm Susie McKenzie here with Lisa Flood, and we have a great story for you today. Um, a, a gentleman named Joseph Madeira is with us. And Joseph, we are thrilled to have you tell your story. It's been a while since we've told, well, a conversion story. And that used to be what we did all the time, right, Lisa? That's right. And, but you have a unique story, and I can't wait, and I know Lisa can't either, for you to share this. So, Joseph, welcome to Catch the Fire. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very humbled that you find my story interesting <laughs> and flabbergasted, honestly. So, uh, thank you. <laughs> well, Joseph, okay, so we're going to start at the beginning with you. We're going to, it's going to be a little formulaic, but tell us about your upbringing because, and, and I just want everyone to know, it just shows the creativity of God. You know, he creates the church and the sacraments, but he's not confined or limited to it. So take it away, Joseph. Yeah, that's very well said. Uh, growing up, I was raised in a religious home, but never formally educated in religion. Uh, my mother had went through her own journey where she was experimenting with different churches and uh, she never took the steps to become fully Catholic. She just said, hey, Joseph, if anyone asks you, you're Roman Catholic. And uh, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know about sacramentals. I didn't know about the artwork or anything. We were just kind of raised to, you know, ask God for help when you need help and, and thank him for certain things. But it was never very deep. And uh, it wasn't until tragedy struck my life in 2009 with my brother passing that it made me start asking the big questions. You know, who am I? Where am I going? And what is my purpose here? And up until that point, I never really wanted to address those questions. I was happy doing what I wanted to do. I was a young man playing sports. I felt like I was very successful and I had a future there. Um, I was very popular with my friends and that's all I needed. You know, I had, I had the wrong idols. I was doing the wrong thing. And uh, God had spoken to me through different ways and different things. You know, you have your little guardian angel who tells you, don't merge in traffic yet or, <laughs> or do this or do that. And it's things that I never really acknowledged, but I knew was there. And I just kept putting God on the back burner and, only when tragedy came up did I start kind of confronting what was happening. Joseph, at one point, you, I think, was this in your high school um, experience where you literally told God, hey, I, I don't think I need you right now? Yeah, it was a very powerful experience. Um, 
basically sports wasn't going the way I thought sports should be going. I felt like I was going to get a scholarship and be successful and be famous. And I was pursuing a very secular idea of what I should be. Um, I pretty much told God that night when everything fell through, I don't need you. You know, you're never there for me. I ask you for all these things. You don't give them to me. You know, a, a sure sign of spiritual immaturity. Uh, and, uh, but not uncommon, let me say. <laughs> right, right, which makes me feel comfortable. I found out that's how it happens. And uh, it was that week I had a nightmare. And uh, it was one of the most graphic nightmares I've ever had. I was falling through just complete darkness. And I felt more alone than I've ever felt. And it was the most real, palpable aloneness and just desperation of nothing. And um, I just, I couldn't get any help. I was looking for help. I was trying to find help and no one was there for me. I felt complete solitude. And I said, you know what? Let me, let me call for Jesus. So I said, Jesus, and nothing happened. I was still falling and it felt worse. I said, Jesus, again, still nothing. I'm getting emotional now thinking about it. I said, Jesus, and I screamed it. And all of a sudden I was just sucked up in the light. And I got this impression of, now do what you're supposed to do. And from that moment forward, I was just like, oh, what is this? Like, I need to start finding out who this voice is. The same voice that told me not to merge in traffic or, or gave me an intuition about someone who might be dangerous to my personal life. And let me find out who this voice is talking to me. And I started researching different faiths. And uh, I had non-denominational friends who were very, you know, used emotionally charged language to get me involved. But I never found the answers until I opened up the catechism. And I read the first couple chapters. I'm like, this is the poetry to what I've been feeling. And this is the word coming alive to the voice that's been talking to me. And it was just like, wow, like I got to figure this person out. Now we're crying. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I know there's a question in there somewhere, Lisa. <laughs> um, okay, so when you said it, it was the poetry to your thoughts and it put words to the voice, Wow. Like, can somebody write that down, please? Um, but let's jump forward. So you have this nightmare, but something happened um, later and you had another nightmare yes. before it happened. Would yes. you tell us about that? Yeah. So second most palpable dream I've ever had in my life was my brother's passing. Uh, I, pr I, I saw him as if I was standing over him on the floor, on the ground, incoherent, um, unable to communicate with me. And I just knew he was in trouble. And um, he, was, he wasn't going to make it through what mm. was happening. Uh, I woke up in a cold sweat, drenched. Uh, never had happened to me before. My first, I guess, taste of the supernatural. I felt like God was finally trying to communicate to me and wake me up to something that was going on. And this was a month before it happened, and I, I just kind of dismissed it as a nightmare again. I still wasn't ready to admit that there was someone out there who wanted to communicate with me, God. And um, it happened a month later, exactly as I dreamed. And I was so almost terrified um, of what I had experienced. And I didn't think I was psychic or anything like that. You know, I just knew that something was trying to be communicated to me. And it pretty much put me on fire to start figuring out what's going on and ask these big questions and get them answered. And that's where it started for me. I started um, researching the different faiths. And, uh, now, apparently, we're going to take a little, a little turn here. Not only were you researching faiths, but you started praying the rosary. Yeah, yeah. You know, I forgot about that. I'm glad you mentioned that. After he passed, I knew I needed some communication with God. And at that point, I felt like I had been hostile towards God, constantly ignoring him or the voice that was inside of me, constantly ignoring it. And my mother had mentioned she had bought rosaries for us when we were babies and she just had them. And she said, you need to start praying your rosary. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I should do that. I don't know what that means. And then I started doing a little bit of research and I found out that Mary's our great intercessor. And she gave me this little book on how to pray the rosary. And I opened it up and it was at the wedding of Cana. And it was where Mary goes to her son and says, hey, they're out of wine. Can you help them out, basically? And 
he does. He helps her out. And I'm thinking, well, this is how I can get to Jesus through his mother. She'll help me out. You completely responded to grace, Joseph. You know, at a time when you could have turned away from God, it was all grace, wasn't it? That you ran to him and to his mom, to your mom. Yeah. Yes. Uh, You know, at that point I had given up. I, I tried to do it all myself and I was just like, I need help outside of me. And it's got to be spiritual. It's got to be God. It's got to be Jesus. And how do I get in touch with them? And that's what happened. I started. I just said from that day forward, I'm going to pray this rosary every day and see what happens. And everything started changing. Uh, the things that I was addicted to, such as you know, sports and making idols out of statistics, and and when heroes that were sports players started becoming saints, I was like, I'm in trouble now. Uh, this is where it starts. You know? <laughs> What sport were you playing? I was playing football and baseball and uh, really enjoyed those things. But I was trying to define myself by them. Yes. And it was getting no fulfillment from it, as I'm sure you're aware. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, that's a common thing. That's the human condition right there and what brings us to God and to Christ and, and to the church. Now, you also were reading the Bible and you got as far as Deuteronomy. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that's correct. I think that's a stopping point for most people. Oh, uh, yeah. It was for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, lots of do's and don'ts in there. Yeah, I sat Long down, but list. this is just a book of rules. I don't know what this means. Yes. And then, now, where did, you did something that's a little different than most people. There was a time where you... Um, Went into stand-up comedy. Tell us about oh, that. Oh, yeah. We want to hear that. We want to hear about that. Yeah. We need a joke, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was in college, and after my brother had passed, I was just searching. I, this college is not for me, if I felt like at the time. I'm not getting anything out of this. What am I going to do in five years? And a friend of mine was like, hey, man, we've always been kind of the class clowns. Let's take it a step further and see if we actually have a career in this. So I dropped out of college and it's like, I'm just going to do this. My brother passed away. I'm not living life in the YOLO, you know, you only live once mindset. Let's get this done. So we started going to open mics and we were pretty successful. We were shocked. People liked us and we thought we were funny. And uh, so we started doing that. Uh, Every weekend there was a sports bar we would go to and hit an open mic. And then um, that's kind of how it went down. Wow. So y'all started with open mic. You just said, hey, I'm going to do this. People think I'm funny. Oh, wow. I kind of am. Yeah, we started showing up and he started getting attention and we started getting attention, asked to come back. And it was a great little community, but I just never found fulfillment in it. I, I didn't enjoy. I knew what I needed to say to make people laugh, but I didn't personally like it. So it was uh, it was a struggle for me in my spiritual life. This was about the time I started going to RCIA. And I, I realized these two things can't coexist. I don't know how to be funny in a clean Catholic way. Now, there's something that Susie and I love very much that really impacted you powerfully, and that was Catholic radio. Will you talk about how God used Catholic community radio to really move your heart? Yeah, I think, again, it was grace because I was sitting in my car one day listening to the regular music that I listened to, and I said, this stuff is not fruitful for my long-term well-being uh, response to grace. So I, I literally said, surely there's a talk radio show I can listen to. So I turned to AM radio, And I started flipping through and I heard a voice talking about Mary. And I said, oh, this must be the Catholic radio show. I'm going to start listening to this. So I did. I put it on every day, all day. And I was just determined to find out what was going on in my life religiously. And I knew that this was the answer. So I started listening. There was a guy named Patrick Madrid who came on and he had a show called Right Here, Right Now. And he spoke in a way that was so direct and blunt, like he had Jesus sitting right next to him. And he challenged my manhood in a way that I'd never been challenged to be a Christian and a Catholic. And I just was addicted from that point on, listening to everything I could get on the airwaves. You were hungering for truth, weren't you? I was. I really wanted to find out something. 
Wow. And we did not pay him to say that. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is all so amazing um, to us, Joseph, because... I mean, to know that you were out there listening to the programming here and that it did exactly what we pray it would do is to help you to grow. And so at this point, you're starting, you're in our RCIA, right? Yes. And you're thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to actually just not say I'm Catholic, but I'm going to be Catholic. And you started, like you mentioned that you wore a crucifix and a Benedictine medal, but there was a challenge with that. Yes, you're right. Um, I, I wanted to dive in all the way and I wanted to show Jesus that I was in all the way. And I think the thing that really struck me is I just randomly opened the Bible one day and I came across this passage. And I think it was first Samuel where God tells he's speaking and he says, David was a man after my own heart. And I was filled with holy jealousy. As weird as that sounds, I was like, I want to be a man after God's own heart. I want this relationship. Why can't it be me? And I think from that moment on, God was like, Okay, here I come. You ready? <laughs> Get ready. Are you ready? Off, Are you ready? Yeah. So uh, my mother actually gave me a crucifix that her father wore, and it was a golden little crucifix. And then she bought me a Benedictine bracelet and a Marian bracelet, which had all the different pic- depictions of Our Lady on it. So I wore it every day as a little devotionals to help get me closer to God. And the place that I worked was full of atheists, and they were constantly attacking me. These little sacramentals that I was wearing were like homing beacons for people to attack me. <laughs> Customers would come in and they would be like, why are you wearing that Mary bracelet? You don't worship her. It's Jesus, you know, just challenging me in every way. And it made me start researching to find the answers. So as you continue to grow, I've got to ask you, what was your mom saying or doing as she's watching this incredible experience in her son? I think she was inspired, too, because she joined RCIA with me. And she was like, we got to do this. Like, I see it happening in you. I've prayed for you my entire life. She always affectionately referred to me as her angel boy. She just knew something was different about me. And I knew something was a little different about me. I always felt like I had a greater calling. So it was very humbling that she came along with me on the journey. Wow. So your mom was there with you. Um, that little tiny seed when you were a child of being planted of, mm-hmm. well, we just tell people we're Roman Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> and look what God did with it. You know, you spoke that out loud and he developed it and grew it. Now, you also discovered the like all these helps in the spiritual life of praying, fasting, going to adoration, and then of course thinking maybe just maybe I'm called to be a priest. Yes, yes, crazy story. Crazy story. So I started saying, I need more. Once I got confirmed and baptized, I was really on fire. The grace came to me, and I said, I got to find a closer way to get to you. And someone started talking about adoration. So I said, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go every day. I'm going to find out what this is about. And I was really drawn just to the mystery of his presence there. Uh, Everyone kept saying, Jesus is there. Just be still and quiet. He'll talk to you. And I just had to find that out for myself. So I went every day, and I sat there for an hour, and I started praying, like, what is my goal in life? Do I need to be a priest? I want to be closer to you. And at that time, I felt the closest that I could be to Jesus on this earth was confecting the Eucharist. And I had always wanted to have a family and children too, but I felt like that was the bigger calling. So I tried to spend time in adoration figuring that out. And super ironically, I left adoration one day and Jesus pretty much told me, no, you're not going to be a priest. And I was sad about it. And it was the same voice that spoke to me my entire life telling me this is not for you. So I got in the car and I was sitting in silence, kind of just sad. And I turned the radio on, and here comes David Dawson Jr. in the church in the home. And he says, this is literally what he said, if you're not called to be a priest, you're called to be a father and the priest of your family. And it just struck me. I'm like, wow, I can still be a priest of my own family. Okay, Joseph, that's just the God 
That's the God that we serve, right? He knew what was in your heart. You opened it up before him in adoration. And not only did he answer your question, but he showed you his bigger plan for you. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. It's very emotional that he spoke to me so directly through the body of Christ. He did. He did. And after adoration, I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm a big like cheerleader for adoration. <laughs> um, because he is there. He is present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. He is sitting right next to us. He is looking us face-to-face, eye-to-eye. And he gave you what you needed. You, you, um, Just so everyone knows, Joseph provided us with a little outline of his journey. And he wrote down that after that moment, before he heard it on the radio, he felt rejected by God. I had never heard that described that way. Now, we're going to close with something you told me yesterday about what a friend said to you about what the Holy Spirit did. Could you share that with everyone, please? Yeah, it was a friend of mine from high school who was a cradle Catholic. And uh, he saw me in mass one day and he came up to me and said, hey, man, I'm just curious. Like, I see you at all these events. And uh, what, what's gotten into you? Why, why are you here all of a sudden? So I told him my little story and I said, yeah, the Holy Spirit just lit me on fire. And he said, no, man, that's a holy combustion. <laughs> like, you're, you're on. Like, well, that's super humbling. Well, like, uh, <laughs> you're think, on I, and the flame is spreading, I, praise God. <laughs> <laughs> And I think that is so perfect to end with, Lisa and Joseph, to the holy combustion. Well, it's here, sitting in our studio. And um, we just want to say thank you, Joseph, for sharing your story. And I just have this total trust and faith that the Holy Spirit's using it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, ladies, for having me. And again, I'm so humbled that you're willing to hear my story. Oh, God bless you. Susie, I'm so excited because just to hear the way that God moves in hearts. And as you said in the beginning, God's creativity, like he knows just what we need to draw us in, doesn't he? Well, he does. I mean, Joseph had not been baptized. He had just simply walked through life and done what most people do. And yet God reached in, right? I know. And took a a a horrible tragedy. I know. And turned it into something beautiful. It's just, it's, it's creativity- 101. Well, and the other thing that strikes me is when people say all the time that young people are leaving the church, young people are not doing what they need to do. No, this is a beautiful young man that God clearly has lit on fire well, for the Le- faith, and he will touch many others. And no Lisa, doubt. you know, I mean, faith of a mustard seed. And so we have our own little mustard seeds, and we call them sparks. Who's going first today with their spark? I have a funny one. Do you have one? Yes. Go go with your... We, okay. we would love yours. We okay. need a little comedy my, as my, we've just had a comedian. Yeah, I know. Well, this isn't so funny. This is more like Susie Goofy funny, but... Lifehack 101, I have finally discovered with my work, I have to do a lot of Facebook Lives and things, and I have this goofy setup (laughs) of a cake stand with my computer on top of it and my phone propped up in the computer, and that's my stand for (laughs) doing my Facebook Lives. Hey, it works, right? Well, one, a lovely woman ordered something for me as a Christmas gift, and it's an actual phone stand to do my Facebook Lives. And it's got those little, like, twisty arms and legs, and it was was delayed in delivery, so I finally got it a couple of weeks ago. I just want to make, like, a big plug for Lifehack 101. Get a stand for your phone. There to go. That can be used in many different, many different ways. Okay, Susie, my little spark was I love coffee. And one of my favorite souvenirs from a family trip, we went to the Exuma Islands in the Bahamas. Susie, I fell in love with this coffee. That is, it actually comes 
from a distributor in Alabama, but it is called <laughs> Royal Cup Coffee, and the blend is Cafe Sumatra. And so when I drink this coffee, number one, it makes me thankful for the gift of that family trip. And I love having my favorite coffee during my prayer time. So it just, it's the it's the spark that keeps on giving. Like, I love a really deep, rich coffee. So that sparked me this week. Well, there's a reason why we're good friends, Lisa, because <laughs> we definitely have that in common. I, look, in my devotional time, no kidding. I actually, when I'm doing my gratitude, my thankfulness, I thank him for coffee. Amen, sister. All right. It's great being with all of you. Join us again next week on Catch the Fire. Catch the Fire is a production of Catholic Community Radio.